Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Edwards, and with me, of course, the sleeve to my tactical card game, Mr. Robert Lundgren. How you doing, buddy? You know, I've been watching Altered Carbon lately, Jonathan, and that's a little creepy. I'm going to ask you to take that back. That works on multiple levels. Well, go me. No, no, no. Take that back. I don't like it. (laughs) No, it's it's here to stay. Hello, hello. I'm good. I'm, (laughs) I'm good, except now, now, now there's a strange, like, eerie bouquet parlor or whatever over over the podcast i'm 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 a little creeped out that's all right we can get you a little edgar Allan poem we'll get you right past that (laughs) (laughs) that joke hit a little harder than i anticipated i I, well again you brought up altered carbon i know there's a method to the madness here yeah it's i I assure you it's not just you half-assing it like you always do that was harsh. Yeah, I'm sorry. That was, harsh. That was, that was harsh. harsh. I apologize. That came out. We, we still have our curse word for the episode, right? Uh, don't waste it now. We're only like two minutes in. <laughs> You're the one that was a dick. I, I copped to it, and I apologize before you even had to say anything. I, I think that counts for something. <laughs> uh, as always, we want to get this episode started with a big old thank you to our patrons over at Patreon. You guys help us keep the lights on, which is awesome thank you so much we actually had a long discussion today about some upcoming ideas that we had for more uh patreon exclusive content hey jonathan yes that was yesterday that was recently didn't i say recently no you said today we had a discussion today <laughs> you want me to redo it no recently? no no because mocking is part of the format sir oh okay fair enough <laughs> continue you you were continuing it, it was your show you were talking about so apparently that was this morning no, that was ye- that was yesterday. <laughs> we were talking about that yesterday. All right. Well, now that I've completely derailed us, Jonathan, happy National Brisket Day. It's happy Meat Day, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also National Hamburger Day, but Brisket Day felt more appropriate because, uh, although I, I did find that. a good brisket place in town, I, I did. They're actually they're actually pretty decent. They're a little more expensive than what you'd get in Texas, which is uh, which is sad. Do they do they smoke? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy, it's a, it's a local chain. There's like, I want to say like half a dozen or less uh, restaurants of it in uh, in Portland proper. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's two brothers from Texas and they, they missed their meat. So they just opened up a restaurant like you do. And uh, yeah, we've been we've been to one of them. It's really weird um, it, uh, going to this brisket place. Uh, I'll, I'll look it up later. I'll put a, a show note in for our hi, Mike. I think our one Portland listener. It's really weird because, like, you go in there and it really does feel like being in a Texas eatery. Except Texas, I, I it's the thing I've noticed since I moved here. Texas is really big on big open windows, you know, because because it's yeah. sunny and awesome out. And Portland, not so much. And so the, the 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 brisket place feels weirdly claustrophobic for like a brisket place because there's not windows everywhere. And it, it's a really weird thing. And it's just it's one of those weird Portland things because I guess it's sort of cloudy and miserable. A majority of the time, I won't even say most, but more, more, more than half. Way to sell the city, that it's it's just rainy. It's it's cloudy and rainy, and so yeah, they just don't put as many big open windows in. It's just a thing they don't do here. It's weird. I don't get it. I mean, I get it, but yeah, it's just weird. It's one of those things I noticed about Portland. Not as big on their windows, which is a shame because when it's pleasant, it is super pleasant. It's like so nice when it's nice. 
But anyway, happy National Brisket Day. Go go have some brisket for me, uh, and and have it in my honor. Like pour a little out for your homie or something. I don't know. Actually, don't pour any out. That's a waste of meat. Just 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 eat it and and yeah, just eat it and mock me because that that's probably for the smoked, best. Uh, the meat part of the reason it uh, might be more expensive is because of the um, uh, they might have to import the wood. No, they could just use local wood. That makes Oregon yeah, people it happy. Taste the same though; it have a different flavor. No, you can get wood chips up here pretty easily. I see them all the time. It's just I don't see smoked brisket here. I don't know. Whatever. Happy National Brisket Day. Go you. That was a very moving report. That was a dad joke. Yeah. It wasn't even a very good one. It was really good. Yeah. Moving, moving, really moving report. I would have gotten some giggles out of the kids on that one. Moving right along. (laughs) You would have gotten some. (laughs) I did it again. Hey, hey, hey. hey, Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. I I, I have a beef with that statement. Oh, Oh, man. That was a good one. That was a good one. You know, maybe that's what we should do for the Patreon uh, backers one day. Have you seen those videos where two two people get up and just start doing dad jokes back and forth until one of them laughs? I'm not terribly good at dad jokes. I'm not terribly good at dad jokes. Like, I read them, right. and I, I find them very amusing, but making up my own is not a thing I do. I tell stories better. No, no, you don't have to make up your own. You can just bring, you can just bring a book full of dad jokes. And, oh. and you tell them back and forth, and you try not to laugh, and... If you laugh at a joke, then uh, the other person gets a point. Intriguing. You've not seen these videos. No. You need to. What? What are? What are you like? Are you? Are you like twelve? You're watching reaction videos on the internet? Like really? No, this isn't about. Rea- it's not about watching like a reaction video to some some trailer or something that came out. It's just watching two people try and square off and, and hold a straight face when telling really sh- stupid jokes. All right. All right. We could we could do that. I'll bring it. The internet is full of dad jokes. That it is. That it is. All right, let's get started, man. I've been trying to get started. Uh, You've been uh, doing a really bad job at it, apparently. You keep wanting to talk about your that baby. was mean. That was mean. That was mean. I apologize. What was mean? You you're spicy today. I am. I am. I've been I've been spicy for a while. I I, I went down the rabbit hole of noir, and it it, it got to me. It got to me. I'm trying. I'm. I'm. I'm trying to climb my my way back out right now. I'm. Not, I'm not. I'm not reading about noir right now. All right. Well, let's let's get started with off the shelf. Maybe we can improve your mood. There you go. Once again, this is of course the segment where we talk about all the things that we've had off of our shelves, and we're allowing into our heart. If there's any room with Robert's hatred today. No, just my soul is full of misty dark shadows and long long lights and smoking and yeah yeah noir and nicholas cage narrate yes yes <laughs> <laughs> all right well let's get started in a completely random uh, order here and let's talk about video games video games list video here. games video games video games video games what let's talk about reading i see that you have been reading <laughs> I feel like I should be signing you up for an intervention. The, the the local library had a copy of the My Little Pony RPG, and I've always wanted to flip through it because I was curious because it, it comes up a lot on lists of uh, really good video game or video games, really good uh, role playing games uh, to teach your kids. It, do you mean read every single page word for word and commit it to memory? Uh, I did not do that. <laughs> I, I, Are you sure? I, I, I read the system. I read okay. Well, I did read a lot of the book because I read all of the rule stuff, which is a good half of it. But I, I didn't really read the adventures because I didn't think I was going to play it. Uh, well, actually, no, I wasn't going to play it because I, I I I I already have a couple RPG games aimed at kids. But yeah, no, it was it was good. I, I 
so I have um, No Thank You Evil, and I really like No Thank You Evil, but I think My Little Pony is a little bit better because its base system requires less stuff that kids are bad at um, or younger kids are bad at. What For example, so No Thank You Evil is loosely based off of the cipher system, and so the way it works is you roll, in that version, you roll a d6, and you just try to beat difficulty numbers, right? But the difficulty numbers can be more than six. So you're like, well, how do I roll an eight on a six-sided dice? And the answer is you can't. Uh, but you can spin points that you have in your pool to lower the difficulty. And so there's like some basic subtraction involved, you know, which is like, oh, if I spend four points, then I can reduce the difficulty from eight to four, and then I can try to roll the dice and blah, blah, blah. And it's fine for kids who are probably like first, second grade. Like I think anyone could handle it now. Um, but previous to that, there was no way, you know, she couldn't, she couldn't do subtraction like that on the fly. I still don't think she could do subtraction like that on the fly. Right. So the way the current system works or the current system, the way, my little pony works your your stats are just dice and and you have random difficulty numbers and you just roll your dice and try to beat them and like most things start at d6 like d6 seems to be kind of like the low end and it goes up to a d12 and then there's things you can do to roll like a d20 instead of a d whatever you know and uh and yeah it's just a really basic system and then you have a uh, friendship points and you get one for everybody who's in the uh in the the group you're playing with including the gm and if you spend one you can replace uh, any die you're rolling with a d20 if you spend two i think you can like basically get advantage you can roll something twice and i i i don't remember what two is and three if you spend three points you just win and everybody can spin them on each other you know so if like you, because friendship is magic because friendship is magic, right? So if you're on a, like a really clutch thing where you need to do it to complete the adventure, then and you only have one thing left, like but everybody else could chip in to make you win the die roll, basically. But yeah, I just I think the system's a little bit more simple, simplified for kids, and it's it's got a couple of like derived stats because like you your stamina, which is basically your hit points, is. Uh, the sum of your body and mind. So if you have like a D eight body and like a D six mind, then, you know, six plus eight is, you know, 14. But I mean, that's the only math you're really doing in the game. Oh, I liked it. It was cute. I mean, it's just a very, it's a very, very basic role playing game, but I think, I think it, you know, I get why Monty cook did the one based off of their home system, because that makes sense. But I think my little pony is a little bit better at kids and it's got like an intellectual property that's already built into it. So if your kid likes that intellectual property or tolerates it, they, they can get it, you know, there's no learning new stuff and kids like playing like that. Like I remember, uh, in my, my very, 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 very brief flirtation with becoming a script writer, uh, a guy was telling me about the way kids play is they don't, um, imagine being somebody they imagine that they it's them it, you know so like you, you don't imagine that like you're a jedi with a new character you you pretend you're luke or you're you pretend you're whatever you know and my little yeah, pony is a little bit better for that because it's got a property built in whereas no thank you evil has it has a cute setting don't get me wrong you want to be rainbow sparkle sprinkles or spike the dragon whatever <laughs> and, and it's twilight Sp- it's twilight spring uh, uh, it's twilight sparkle thank you very much you don't even know robert you dare call yourself a brony it was twilight spark you got sprinkle caught in my head and then it was not it, it kept wanting to come out it kept wanting to say sprinkle it's sparkle sir there's a street here in austin called sprinkle cutoff road and every time i'm on it i think of you okay that's a weird thing to say sprinkles you're, like, you're the only person i know that likes the the rainbow not rainbow bright Twilight Sparkle. 
Not sprinkle, sparkle. Uh, yeah, but, uh, the My Little My Little Pony. My Little Pony. That's that's. Yeah, but there's no sprinkle in My Little Pony. I can't do this anymore. I can't do there's this. There's no sprinkle there's pony. Well, I don't know that. It just sounds like something you would name a pony. You disgust me, sir. You disgust me. Moving on. Mr. Sprinkles. That's, I think that's my new pet name for you. You can call me what you like. Fair enough. Challenge accepted. That sounds like a dude stripper's name. I can deal with that. You know, like I have like like amazing peel off pants and, and they're all they're all glittery. Probably probably now a poofy, on the like, center like the stage telling us all about the video games he's been playing. Sprinkles. <laughs> yeah, see, it works. Moving on. You been reading anything, sir? Not a darn thing. I need to finish that uh, Fred the Vampire accountant book. I just haven't had a minute. Let's let's see what you have done, <laughs> Jonathan. <laughs> so you haven't read anything? Basically, no. That's besides besides the to. yeah besides My Little Pony, I made time for that. Besides, besides the sprinkles, gotcha. Okay. So, so so okay 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 we should get this out of the way first because it's easier that way. Uh, you saw a game finally. Yes yes I did. How was it? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I thought it was a very very nice way to round out this this chapter without um, closing it off for the future. So are we are we gonna are we gonna are we gonna talk about it? Because are we sure people I, I have mean, seen like, it? It's have, been out has, three has weeks. Enough time gone by. Have we? It's, have well, we, uh, standard issue rules say we can't do spoilers for a year because that's rude. However, it's been three weeks since it came out uh, as of uh, last Friday, I think. So by the time this episode comes out, it will have been out for more than a month and has been dethroned by John Wick as of this weekend. So it's now no longer the number one movie in the country. I feel like there's a chance that some people still may not have seen it. All right. We're going to put a pin in it. We're going to come back to this next week <laughs> or next time. I'm, I'm okay with that, but you liked it. You thought it was good. I did. I did. I, I came away smiling. I thought there were some really spectacular moments. Uh, there were some points that, uh, made me choke a little bit, you know, definitely, uh, make you feel like you got those allergies. And yeah, overall, I just thought it was an expertly crafted closing out of this chapter. It's not the end. Do you know what the end of this chapter is considered by Marvel? Uh, is it the next Spider-Man movie? Yeah, yeah. Spider-Man is that the, makes the sense based on epilogue two, to all the this. The second trailer. Yeah, that makes perfect sense based on the trailer. So this is the close of the chapter. They're just the epilogue is the epilogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but if Far From Home has after credit sequences that you know tease the future, that is the future. Because if you haven't seen it yet, people, there are no after credit sequences on Endgame. Um, because it's supposed to be the end, <laughs> you know, they're not, they're, they're like, this is the end. We are not teasing for the future. This is a, f- a finale. We will build something new in the future, but we're not going to start teasing it yet. Cause that's not what end game is about, uh, about as close yeah. as you can get about as close as you get. Did you watch the whole thing by the way? What? At the, the very movie? end. Yeah. Yeah. At the very end, the last thing you see when it says Marvel studios production or whatever, at the very end, you hear the hammering from the very, very first Iron Man moving, you know, doing the Mobius strip of completion because it started with Iron Man and then it ends with Iron Man hammering his first suit that, that bing, you know, and that, that montage. Yeah. Yeah. That's the last thing you hear in Endgame. So I don't think that's a spoiler, (laughs) but that's as close as you get to an after credit sequence in that, in that movie. And I don't think it's a spoiler because it's just referencing the very first movie. That's, that's not a spoiler really. I, I think that that, that the whole universe is just, it's genius and what an achievement. They strung together 22 movies into a single narrative. That's pretty amazing. 
you know, you know what really bugs me, or not bugs me, but it, it's it's a little sad uh, when I think about it. That that Endgame was the peak, and, and and I was watching a reviewer guy on YouTube. I really like his name's George Rockhall Schmidt. I think he's really good. Actually, I should send you some of his movies. I think you, or his little videos. I think you'd agree with him. He's a pretty good reviewer, and he was like saying like this is the peak, and it's not that superhero movies are going to go away. He's like, I fully think we're going to get another decade of really good superhero movies. It's just we're going to look at this in the history of superhero movies of the early 2000s it's never going to be fresh again you know yeah but but this is it like this is going to be the point where we say this was like the peak like i i don't know how they could peak again you know what i mean and he's like and i don't think they're not going to go out graciously and and it would be cool if they did you know if they if they kind of got to this point where they're like you know the superhero movies are kind of dying let's do one one more to just sort of like round out the genre and then just let it go for a while you know but but like yeah like this is the hump man we're on we're on top the view from here is down <laughs> and it's kind of sad that first spider-man movie was so good i'm really looking forward to the second one so i, I don't know that we're on the hump per se I'm not saying I'm not saying we're not going to get more good stuff. I'm just saying when we look back on this, this will be the point where we say this was the peak. And and when they do like the the VH1, you know, I love this Marvel superhero movies uh, special or whatever. Like this will be the point where we start talking about the decline and the, and the end of the genre at this point, I think. Like, I think that's where we're at. It's just weird. And again, I think we're going to get like at least 10 more years of good movies out of this. I, I completely agree with that assessment. I'm just saying like that. This is. This point in history is how we're going to look at that in the future. I'm pretty sure. Well, there's only one way to find out, and that's to hang on and go on the ride. Right, 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 right. But it's it's weird being in a moment of like pop culture history where you can like clearly identify it, like right now. You know, not not like looking back ten years from now. It's like right now. It's like so obvious. This is this is a point that that we will talk about when we talk about the genre in general. This is like a very big point in it, and it will. It'll signify See, I something. I felt that you know? way when I watched Blade in the movie theaters for the first time because that was the first time I'd ever seen a comic book taken seriously. I because there was a certain there was a certain kitschy campiness even of the Burton uh, Batman movies, which is not to say that they weren't fun and good. There was a certain callback to the '60s Batman show and and, and a certain. See, I think the daughter superhero movies took themselves pretty somewhat seriously, at least the first one. But I remember when I walked out of the movie theater having watched Blade 1. But, uh, yeah, I remember walking out of that theater and just going, wow, like, I feel like this is different. Like, this changed the way we're willing to accept a comic book movie. I, I could buy that. I don't know if it was as obvious at the time. I don't know. I mean, maybe it was for you. It's, it certainly wasn't for me. Again, it was... It was the first time I saw a movie based on a comic where I walked out and I said, wow, that felt like real world. You know, like it, it was still a fanciful tale, but it felt so firmly rooted in my world. And, and with the with the Burton movies, I, I didn't get that. I had a different experience because when I saw Blade, I mean, I knew who Blade was intellectually, I guess, because I, I, I collected the Marvel Series three trading cards and I had all of them. And the Darkstalkers were on there with Blade clear as day. But I never made the connection that that Blade was the Blade in that movie because it wasn't like a air quotes comic book movie. I was a really big horror buff at the time, and that was like a horror movie. And I never thought of it mm-hmm. as a comic book movie. So I, I like the first comic book movie I saw that I thought took itself real seriously. Um, I don't know which one came out first, but it was um, is either Spider-Man 2 or X-Men 2. I think X-Men. Well, I mean, X-Men definitely to me, it, it felt like it, it had taken a page out of Blade's book. X-Men was what, 2001? I mean, I'm not, we're, we're, we're splitting hairs. I mean, I, I, like I said, I just never considered it a comic book movie when I watched it. I always thought X-Men of it as a horror movie. X-Men was 2000. X-2 was 2003. 
Okay. And then we were comparing it to Spider-Man. Yeah, the Raimi Spider-Mans. Spider-Man was 2002. Spider-Man was 2004. Okay. So X-Men was first in both both iterations. That was when it was really obvious to me that something had shifted. Because Raimi, Raimi loves Spider-Man. I mean, he's a 70s Spider-Man reader, but he, he really liked Spider-Man from when he was a kid. And so he wanted to do it right. And, uh, well, we will just not talk about Singer. <laughs> we will move on but uh yeah yeah um i don't know but that is a yeah yeah um yeah yeah all right all right all right let, 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 let's move on about our our nostalgic like what was the zeitgeist will you agree or disagree though that it really does feel like this is a point in history in comic book film that is like we're gonna talk about it does it it, it feels like a culmination and and even if they continue it on, which it appears that they're going to, uh, oh yeah, you know, ad nauseum, and and who knows, maybe there's more crescendos to come. I just I just don't know how you ever get to this crescendo again, right? Because at this point now the formula is known, and even if we get another eleven movies, it's going to be like the the prequels for Star Wars. You're, you're going to have fun, but at the same time, you're still just sitting there going. Yeah, been there. Before. No, 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 like, no, 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 no. no comic books, comic books, know how to do this, buddy. Comic books have been doing this for years. Comic books do it for years, Jonathan. They do, they do individual stories, but movies don't. Well, no, but the Marvel movies certainly did. They do individual stories, and then every so often you have a team up, and then it all leads into like a, a max or a, a, a mega series or whatever. You know, we, we've had you know in just in, in the time I owned the comic book store, there were several. There was like Ultimatum and Age of Ultron and House of M. I mean, this is this is nothing new, and and DC does it too. Uh, War Games, Knights Fall, all of that, like crisis, the various crises. They could just start leading up to another one. I mean, I've I've been hearing people throw around the world uh, Secret Wars a lot. Like people really wanted, to, and and the guys who did Endgame, they said they would come back for that because that was a big comic book for them when they were kids, and they would totally do it. If 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 they were going to do a Secret Wars movie, they'd be all over that. So yeah, you just you just build up to a new event. Thanos was not the end all be all of the Marvel universe. There are several other giant mega no. events, and the Secret Wars is one of them. That was one of the big ones. I don't know. Anyway, we have been going on for thirty minutes now on two topics. So. We'll tell you what we'll get. We'll we'll do mine and yours, and we'll get the other big one out of the, out of the way. Uh, Game of Thrones, Jonathan. That finale aired last night. End of an era. Speaking of ends of eras, it did. So no spoilers for same reasons. But I've been reading a lot of negative reviews online, and it occurred to me, I, I like the, the the thread that goes through all of them. I don't know if you are familiar with like the Hero with a Thousand Faces by Joseph Campbell and all that 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 arc. That, that everybody writes to now, everybody writes to it. Like Star Wars is like the textbook example of it, but all of them do it. Like, you, you know that arc, right? Like the, the cave and the blah, you know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've been so trained by that because Western media, that is all we do. Like we, we do the hero with a thousand faces all the time, every time. It's kind of ridiculous and uh, it leads to some really bad thinking, which is a, a, a broader sociological issue, which we can get into if our dear listeners want us to. However, Game of Thrones was not that. And the main criticism I see a lot is like, why didn't character X do that? Because they deserved it. And it's it, and it's like you're looking at it through the lens of the hero with a thousand faces. And it's whatever character you identify as the protagonist, you know, who deserves to win at the end. Because I will give Game of Thrones this. Nobody really won. No, that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of it. And, and Game of Thrones, and if you're saying, like, well, that's not blah, 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 it's like Game of Thrones was never about that. And you want to know how I know that? It's called The Red Wedding. 
because if if Rob Stark was a protagonist, he would not have just died there along with several other main characters in the middle of their stories. You know, they wouldn't have just died. I think that's the whole point Martin's trying to make. Like, you know, life is not that predictable. Sometimes the hero dies and that's okay. Yeah, and it's it's not the hero with a thousand faces. It's it's a different if it's a different story architecture. Also, 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 I found this like crazy thing. I the, I had never heard of this before, and I have to share. Um, so have uh, so in writing, uh, some people consider people who write novels or whatever. Um, there's like two types. There's what they call plotters, and then there's what they call pantsers. Do you know what these are, Jonathan? No, I can't say I do. Okay, so if you're a novelist and you are a plotter, you write a very, very detailed outline, <laughs> and that is your, your script, basically. Like, you will follow it to the letter, and you can't really change any aspect of your story because it'll require you to change broad things in your outline, and you don't necessarily want to do that. And so the pro is you have a very tight plot, but the con is sometimes you'll have characters you know, doing things that are out of, out of their characterization because they just need to to advance the outline, you know? And, and this is on like a continuum. Everybody's kind of in the middle, in between this somewhere. So on the other end of the spectrum is what they call pantsers, right? And pantsers, it's you fly by the seat of your pants. It, it's like you hear your character's voices in your head and you write them and they get into crazy situations and you can write yourself into corners and whatever. And uh, if you want to know who a pantser is, there's two really clear examples. Uh, J.R.R. Tolkien was a, was a pantser because he would just write those books and sometimes he'd write himself into a corner. And what would he do? He would start over, <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, and, and George R.R. Martin is, is a, is a pantser. And so, and you know, he's a pantser because um, the game of Thrones, the novel series was supposed to skip ahead five years at some point. And George R.R. R. Martin said like, I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't comprehend that. I don't know what would happen. So he just had to write, it down because he couldn't he couldn't intellectualize it he just had to see where the characters took him over that five years and that's why this trilogy has turned into seven books now two of which are not out yet so but i think a lot of people are you know like a lot of the complaints i'm seeing uh, and even the complaints i have about the current season are this george r R. martin is a pantser he is flying by the seat of his pants he he kind of knows the beats of the story he wants to say because again you're a little bit of both but for him writing is a journey and he goes on it with his characters and maybe that's the problem he's been having with this novel maybe he's J.R. Tolkieting it maybe he he writes himself into a corner and and he can't write himself out of it so he just starts the book over who knows yeah the guys who write the show god love them they are plotters and so you know they have a detailed outline and when they were working with George's source material which was pantsing you know they could break the story down they could write the beats they can get everything nice and succinct and and hit the points they want to hit in the various you know in the various episodes and cliffhangers and all of that because they're really good at breaking that down and making an outline out of it but then when they didn't have a rudder anymore because you know the the pantser in the room left because there was no more books to do anything with you know, now all of a sudden we get these seasons that are shorter where people move very freely, where like in the very first season of Game of Thrones, like when they go to King's Landing, it takes them three episodes to get there. Like there's an episode where they leave, there's an episode on the road, and then there's an episode when they get there, <laughs> you know, and and people go to like King's Landing like it's nothing. It's like I'm going to go down to the corner and go to King's Landing. Like that's how it feels now, yeah. you know, and it's because it's because these guys are plotters, you know, they they um, it's very clear they had this like end in mind and they're just trying to get there. And 
you know, but they're not good at it because that's not their strength. Their strength was breaking down these, these, you know, this fluff, this other guy made. And when there was no fluff to break down, all of a sudden things started just getting weird and off the rails. Cause there literally were no rails anymore. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, yeah, I thought yeah. it was just interesting, like plotters and pantsers. And I, I think that's where the, the, the dichotomy is coming. The guys who make the show are plotters. The guy who's writing the books are pantsers. And, and when they're, when they're together, they make beautiful music, but when they're not together, it gets kind of weird. I mean, Ultimately, for me, I thought that every character ended their arc in a very accurate way. It was a way that made sense for their character. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You didn't have to like it. It wasn't about that. It was about doing what was right for the character. My only complaint in this last season really has been just it feels like it flew by. Like It feels like there should have been another two or three episodes in there to kind of stretch a few things out. But that was more of a pacing issue than a plot issue. And a lot of the criticism I've seen online... And uh, heard in the media recently has all been criticism about uh, where, what the characters are doing and whatnot. And I'm sorry, like I agree with the choices they made, 100. percent They all make sense, but they're not they're not the the choices you would want to make to feel good about them because they're selfish. Let's let's go to uh, let's push this to 65, and we we can break this down a little bit more in 65 once once you know because who knows. Maybe somebody hasn't had a chance okay. to watch it yet for some reason. But we'll, we, we, we can uh, wait. I, I will just it. say this. I enjoyed it. And it made sense to me. Okay, so so people, 60, sorry, 65 is going to be uh, Endgame-rific, and then 66 will be uh, <laughs> will be Game of Thrones. Spoiler, heaven. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll try to remember that right. and write it down later. All right, so now we're 37 minutes in, and we've talked about three things. We need to shotgun through this, Jonathan. Jonathan, tell me about Mortal Engines. Go. It's the first steampunk uh, apocalypse movie I've ever seen. I don't know what it, else to say about it. I had fun. It, it's it, it kind of crashed and burned. I understand did, why did, people didn't like it, but at the same time, I really did. Yeah, it's fair. I'll uh, I'll put it on my list. I think I I think most people that will watch this show are going to like it or listen to this show are going to like it. Like it, it okay. It, I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to. Even Chloe watched it with us, and she really liked it. I think she's going to end up reading those books. But yeah, it's a, it's a total steampunk, a steampunk high tale that takes place after the apocalypse. It's kind of interesting. It felt like an RPG session. <laughs> I'll tell you what, tell you what. I, <laughs> <I'm> not, <laughs> after you watch it, tell me if, if, if you think that. All right. I, I have put on hold. I am currently 135th in line. Yeah, you're going to get that any, any, any year now. Uh, well, there are 37 copies available, and they are only available for one week, and then they can be placed on hold for one week. So, worst case scenario, I will get it in about seven weeks. <laughs> That's worst case scenario, I though. I speaking to you about this in... Um, 67! July or August. 67, man. Dude, we got like the next several episodes planned out. 65 end game 66 game of thrones 67 mortal engines i like this i like it uh so the wife and i watched a a a, a romance movie called a uh, crazy rich asians and i gotta say it might be that i have a, a crush on michelle yo because she i liked her in star oh, trek totally and i liked her, her. 
Yeah, I liked her clear back to uh, Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah, it was uh, more entertaining than I thought it was going to be because I thought it was going to be one of those movies where I was doing something else and just sort of half paying attention to it, like a lot of the media I consume with my wife. But I actually watched pretty much the whole thing. Like I, I started doing that and then I, I, I just put it down. I'm like, you know what? I I'm entertained enough. I will keep this going. <laughs> it was it was. I mean, it was entertaining. I just didn't think it was. They were really excited about this movie, and it, to me, it just felt very formulaic. Like I feel like I've seen this movie a thousand times. This just was a unique and interesting cast. And then I also watched Mission Impossible Six, aka Fallout. Oh man, that was fun. I liked that one. You know, I was disappointed a little bit. Four and five, I really liked a lot, and it, it's like I don't know why six was the highest grossing one ever because I didn't think it was quite as strong as those. Because I, I was finding the plot a little hard to follow. I thought it was stronger than five. I thought it was stronger than five. But four, four was to me the, the 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 pinnacle in terms of filmmaking. Like four was an exquisitely pieced uh, together film. Yeah, yeah. Ghost Protocol was real good. It was real good. We're shotgunning. Okay, that's it for you. What do you want to move on to? Video games. Let's do it. Okay, I played Overwatch. Go. <laughs> I'm playing the hamster uh, ball, I and I love Horizon it. Horizon Four, Sea of Thieves, Division Two, Wildlands, MK11, and Apex. Played all those on previous shows. You know exactly how I feel about them. Wildlands got like a big, big. It's had several changes since the last time I played it. It was kind of okay before, and then this time going through it has been uh, different. Like they they fixed a lot of the problems that I had with it, which is kind of neat. It, it's nice oh, to cool. see that that game has aged well two years later. Uh, they've actually patched it considerably, and a lot of the additional contents made it very, very fun. Oh, uh, I, one other movie I watched: John Carter from Mars. No, oh, you just mean John Carter. Uh, yeah, I guess I I don't know what it was called. John Carter. I heard that was actually better than people gave it credit for. Uh, much better. The Internet totally crapped on it and it was really unfair. Really unfair. All right, let's do RPGs, Robert. You played Microscope. I did. Me and Gina started playing Microscope and I am overly excited by that game. So much so that I'm very fearful of scaring my wife off from playing it with me again. But I had a lot of fun. More fun than I probably should admit (laughs) that I had. Yeah, I looked down at my phone the other day, by the way. And I, I, you know, sometimes I I get busy during the day, so I don't get a chance to look right away. And I look down and there's 18 missed messages from you. All about Microscope. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Sounds about right. We're going to, if I I can... uh, put the format together i think we're going to cover it next time because it's it's that good it's it's exquisite all right fair enough so then don't ruin it this episode yeah i don't want to overhype it (laughs) because i'm one of those where i can get overhyped and then i get disappointed but it was uh yeah it was it was game changing i i don't use that term lightly it was really good and speaking of and and coming full circle speaking of uh, of good two-player games uh that uh, me and my wife have been playing it and and we've been having fun two-player game microscope there you go nice nice way to tie in the last episode that's right that's right so uh let's move over to board games since we're going to cover that uh i have been playing not alone uh over on the board game arena with uh ray and brendan and uh i have at this point really messed up on that game really bad there was something i should have done three turns ago but i decided to roll them dice it has not worked out well in my favor. <laughs> May the odds forever be in your favor, Robert. It was, they, were, they are not currently in my favor right now, sir. They are not. Anyway, uh, Not Alone is kind of like a strand on an alien planet while some sort of beast is hunting you type game. It's interesting. I'll, uh, I'll talk more about it when we actually 
finish because you know i mean it's board game arena it's going to take us like another week and a half to finish a game <laughs> all right so let's let's shotgun down your laundry list of games sir all right uh not too much on the table um these last couple weeks uh i got a chance to play uh, a, a game i'd never tried before called pocket pharma and when you first look at the cards it's very intimidating you think it's going to be this very complex sciencey game where you're connecting molecules and whatnot but what it ends up being is just a set collection game and there's some randomization factors that you uh incorporate at the beginning of the game that determine uh some of the factors at work and basically what you have is a couple different symbols that you're trying to uh collect and you're trying to get uh, a certain number of each symbol in a certain number of cards to uh, satisfy the requirements of a formula to create a new pharmaceutical. And then there are stacks of point cards for each pharmaceutical type. So the first person to grab a point card gets the most points for that type, and so on and so forth. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It's a good little pocket game. It can be played in 15 to 20 minutes, and that made it uh, pretty fun. I also had a chance to play a couple more rounds of Heroes of Normandy, the tactical card game, and still having fun, but we're going to talk about that later, so I'm not going to say any more now. And I also had a chance to start digging into Journey uh, Journey to Middle-Earth, the new Lord of the Rings game from Fantasy Flight, and it is app-driven, much like Mansions of Madness. Is this the adventure game we were covering not all that long ago? Yes, yes, it is out, and I am playing it. And I think we're going to be discussing it quite a bit more in the show. Mm. Although not until 68, if everything goes according to plan for a while. <laughs> so get those games in. Finally, I uh, started and I'm not sure if I maybe should have put this in the reading section. I started chewing through the rule book for Goth- Gotham City Chronicle. Hmm. The new Batman uh, Kickstarter that just started shipping. Oh, First of all, gorgeous miniatures, gorgeous sculpts. It's based off the the Conan engine from the Conan game that came out two or three years ago from, I think it was Mythic. Mm-hmm. Just the base game alone comes in these two gigantic boxes. And it's kind of interesting because if you missed out on the Kickstarter the first round, they're, they're only doing this as Kickstarter. Um, they're actually doing Season 2, and I bet they're, they're probably going to be uh, offering Season 1 material again. Uh, and that's coming June 4th. And uh, given the quality of what I'm looking at, if you're a Batman fan, this is this feels like necessary kit. But the rules are uh, very, very detailed. I'm looking at the Kickstarter right now. I don't even remember when this happened. <laughs> it was about a year and a half ago. Oh, you know what? I was probably moving. Because even if I didn't get it, I would look at pretty Batman mo- models. That is That is so my thing. March 31st was when it funded. It's uh, it's over two years ago. No, yeah, about a year and a half. You're right. March 31st. What was I doing in March? Ah, nothing. I don't know how I missed this. Well, there you go. There you go. Well, there, yeah, there you go. So yeah, that's what I've been. Uh, that's what I've been playing. Cool. And we had uh, some games that uh, were being played by some of our listeners. Yeah, 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 because we made that Gaming for Two thread, so we got some more suggestions for that. Uh, my, my buddy Brandon. Hi, Brandon. I, I still need to talk to you, sir. Sorry. We've been we've been shucking calls from each other because we've been having bad timing because, you know, f- kids. <laughs> it's like, hey, you want to talk? No, Don't I no, I'm actually it was, it's usually just putting him to bed and then I forget. But, you know, you know how it is when you're a parent. Uh, but Brandon uh, suggested uh, Magic the Gathering, which, which I got a little uh, I got a little whatever about. But I do actually recommend Magic the Gathering if you can play at kitchen table. I just can't. I, I ran a store and played competitively a little too much. I can't do that anymore. I, I don't think that way about Magic anymore. It's not fun. It's about winning. 
It's about Spike. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, Magic the Gathering is a really good game. Uh, if if you're interested, uh, they're going to come out with another round of Commander decks. Commander's a really good variant for kitchen table magic. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and then Ray had like the laundry list because he plays games with his wife a lot, apparently. Uh, he Lord of the Rings card yeah. game. Uh, Monta- I don't think I copied this down right. Monta... Montanai, Montanai, I don't think I, I don't think I copied that down right. I'm sorry, Ray. I, I failed you. Ray, you're a voice actor. You need to record how to pronounce that and send it to us. There you go. Uh, Splendor and Pandemic, War of the Ring, Battle Lore, although that's not in print anymore. Uh, Battle of the Five Armies, Englishman, Fugitive, and that word I'm not going to try either. Hanamakoji. Hanamakoji. So there you go. We'll go with Hanamakoji. More good gaming for two from our dear, dear listeners. Thank you, Brandon. 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 Not Brandon. Brandon didn't recommend anything, I don't think. He has his own podcast. He just had his 150th episode where he did his AMA. He's like putting out three or four a a week. It's nuts. Well, yeah, well, he he told us a secret. He keeps them short because they're only 15 minutes, and uh, he doesn't edit much because that's not the format. Because he was smart and didn't make his format about editing. Smarter than you and I. Mostly I. Here we are about to hit 60 minutes on our first segment. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I would laugh because otherwise I'd cry. But that's it. There we go. Place out, Jonathan. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we'll be talking about the wisdom of crowns. We love getting feedback, so please let us know how we're doing by hitting us up at one of the following. You can join us on Patreon, where we post bonus content. You can also message us or tweet at us on the Twitter. Find us at Forgot My Dice. You can join us in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash FMD podcast. If you like the show, the best way for more people to find out about us is to give Forgot My Dice a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Lastly, for those of you seeking experiences beyond our concepts of pleasure and pain, set the Lamont configuration to full hell mode. Oddly, you can find us in several levels of the labyrinth as the only thing playing on the radio. Wait, what? I have such sights to show you, Jonathan. Ah, I need to take your Netflix account away from you. Welcome back to our Wisdom of Crowd segment. This is, of course, our segment where we talk about all of the biggest hits in tabletop news. I feel like that was a pretty big softball, and you just kind of miffed it. I got distracted by the bathroom door is open, and the 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 gas fan is going, and I'm like, does this get picked up on the microphone? And I was pondering that, and that... I can't hear it, for what it's worth. Okay. Well, I, that's what I was pondering as you threw that ball at me, and I just watched it sail by. <laughs> <laughs> it really did, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, I was just like, I was just, I'm literally sitting here, this is great radio, I'm staring at the open door to my bathroom, just pondering <laughs> while you did that. <laughs> Tell you what, let me go close the, the door. And the batter is just sitting there, he's still <laughs> sitting there, is he ever going to do anything? Looks like that's a no. He's been struck out, but he refuses to leave the plate. <laughs> okay, let me let me go at least close <laughs> this door real quick. He's still standing there, still contemplating that last pitch. <laughs> okay, I'll be right back. <laughs> I mean, I'd ask how much weed you smoke today, but I'm starting to wonder how big that number that really is. How to close the door? Were right. you saying were you saying inappropriate things about me behind my back? No, I was basically just wondering how much weed you smoked. 
Uh, today, none. In fact, I can assure you, I have not smoked any weed since I got to Portland. None. Because le- weed's legal here and you can buy edibles. Okay. Or eaten. Or eaten. Oh, well, I, 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 we are not talking, we are not talking about that. However, I have not eaten any weed today either. I haven't eaten any weed in a week. So there you go. There you go. (laughs) And the last time I did it was because I threw my back out. But that is another story. Do, 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 do. I, if I knew the theme to the never ending story, I would sing it right now. Looking, I don't even, God, I can't. Yeah, I, I know the chorus, but it, it starts with that bum, 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 bum. We're, we're doing a great job on the news. Let's do the news. <laughs> it's going to be one of those episodes. Yeah, it already right, is one uh, of those episodes. We were on. Started. Our first segment recorded for 57 minutes, and we, we, 40 of that was three topics. I'll get us started. So a couple episodes ago, I was talking about. Th- That's what I said. Th- I was. You're not, even, you're not picking up what I'm laying down. I was talking about The Descent. Uh, it, it was a streaming thing that Wizards does every year. They did this one in L.A. because they wanted to get all the celebrities there, and apparently they did. I did not watch it because I am a terrible person, and I was actually I was just busy this weekend. But they announced a ton, a ton of new stuff coming out, Jonathan. So much new stuff. Okay, you ready for this? You ready for it? Here we go. Here we go. I am indeed. Hit me. The next D&D adventure, the next storyline, which will be released on September 17th, is Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus. Avernus, if you don't know, is one of the nine layers of hell. It's the first one, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a game that takes place mainly in hell. And they've described it as mostly being Dante's Inferno meets Bad Max. So I figure you're going to be sandboxing around hell. So that sounds fun. <laughs> yeah you sent me some pictures of that earlier and that that looks amazing yeah it looks uh, it, it's a weird twist but like mad maxing around hell that that works and it's the lawful evil hell planes so you know like rules and stuff apply and you can generally trust demons because they won't necessarily break their contracts you just got to make sure you read them carefully seems legit also, at the same event, WizKids announced that they're going to make a new set of minis based off of it. So if you need uh, pre-painted demons, I'm sure this will be the set for you. <laughs> but their big one is they're going to release an Infernal... I find myself wondering where I can get my pre-painted demons. There you go. Uh, they're going to release the Infernal War Machine miniature. It's going to be 17 inches long, and it is basically a hell tank dope. <laughs> that runs on ridiculous. human souls with, like, saw blades and tank treads and all of the hell goodness yeah that that thing looks absolutely ridiculous in all yeah it does yeah it does is it evil because it it literally runs on souls like you throw souls in there to burn but they're like bad people souls so is that bad because you're killing bad people so the only souls that'll run on are the souls that go to hell right i believe so i'm kind of okay picturing in my head that that it runs off of like hitler truth fair so uh they're shooting for august releases for the the miniatures dungeon mayhem is getting an expansion based off of it called battle in Baldur's gate uh they did not mention a release date but very cool uh they're going to release a new product called the DD essentials kit which kind of sounds like a bridge between the starter sets and getting the player's handbook um because the product description says it'll be you'll make your own character with it it has enough rules to do that so it won't come with the pre-made characters like the starter sets do it has a new adventure. 
and it's going to have some other stuff in it. So it's like, yeah, kind of like, because it's still a starter set, because it says it's kind of low level. So it's kind of like, maybe it's for the people who've already played D&D and don't need a pre-made character necessarily. They want to like make their own, but they want a simplified, I don't know. But uh, yes, that will be out in September as well. We are getting a new cross-branded D&D starter set, much like the, the Stranger Things one. Uh, this one is going to be D&D versus Rick and Morty, based loosely on the comic book series of the same name. <laughs> oh, that sounds amazing. That sounds amazing. <laughs> uh, that'll have a fall release. Uh, along with that, they're releasing a sequel to that uh, little limited series called D&D vs. Rick and Morty 2, Painscape, uh, which will be out uh, in September. Everything's coming up uh, out in September. And then finally, for the sort of rich, uh, Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica slot, the November slot, they announced for sure that the new setting book this year is going to be a 5th edition conversion of Eberron, which will be out in late this year. They haven't pegged down the release date, but I'm guessing somewhere around November. And Eberron is is super cool. It is uh, it's it is a setting that is very very hard to describe. So like uh, we we had that talk about how Ravnica is to cyberpunk, uh, Eberron is to Indiana Jones and D and D. That that is kind of the mashup it's going after. So you're flying around the world and punching fantasy Nazis, I guess. And stealing treasures and putting them in museums and whatnot. That's it's, it's it's yeah. It's kind yeah, of this weird crap out of that. Yeah, yeah. There there aren't like Nazis. They're called it, the 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 allegory to Nazis. At least in my opinion, is a, a country called Sarlona, which is uh, literally run by people possessed by nightmare monsters. No joke. That is the truth. So that is everything they announced at the descent. I, I'm excited, actually. I uh, Eberron, Eberron sounds like fun. There's a lot to be excited about in that announcement. There's, there's a lot of good stuff in that. Yeah. So, all right, and uh, we'll just do all of my news, and then we'll do all of yours because mine, mine are bigger stories, and yours apparently are little bite-sized chunks. You're like you're like the little chum bites, bites. of news stories. Maybe we should have done you first because we could use the chum to attract the shark, which would be me in this allegory. But whatever. Wow. wow. Yeah. Uh, so Modiphius, <laughs> Modiphius, who has been picking up everything late because they they just uh, got the license for Wrath and Glory, uh, the 40k new RPG from uh, Ulysses Spiel, but this is a completely different thing. Uh, they announced that they're doing uh, the One Ring RPG 2nd Edition, but that's not what this is about. They're also announcing that uh, they're releasing a game called Elder Scrolls, A Call to Arms. It is based on the Fallout Wasteland Warfare rule set, but it's obviously a little bit more fantasy-inspired than modern slash post-apocalyptic. You will have teams that can play versus each other, or you can team up against what sounds like AI-controlled monsters. Um, there's a single-player variant, which I'm assuming is a single-player going up against the AI-controlled monster. The first wave of the game will be Skyrim-based with Stormcloaks and Imperial Legion, uh, and you're supposed to act out Civil War battles. Forces will usually include 1 to 6 heroes and 3 to 16, 3 to 15, I'm sorry, troops. Uh, they'll have a two-player starter at the get-go with reinforcements for both factions, and they're also going to release a Dragonborn single-player set. Uh, with more races and characters to follow in later waves. Uh, accessories include metal tokens, dice bags, journals, and so much more. And they are planning on more content from Skyrim and then expanding to Oblivion and the Elder Scrolls Online. So quite cool, quite cool. Have you ever seen the uh, 
uh, Skyrim uh, Macho Man Randy Savage mod? Yes, 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 I have. <laughs> I just turned on someone onto that today, and they didn't know how to respond. And I said, "That's exactly the point." Yeah, my favorite. I, I watched a video of that, and like when you hear that first dragon war roar belt out over like the hills, you know, the very very first one, because it, it has a lot of random Macho Man lines. Uh, the the perfect one played during this one demo where you just hear kind of echoing through the hills of uh, Skyrim. I'm coming to get you. <laughs> it's so freaking good. It's so good. And then when he does his dragon roars, he does it like roar. He goes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. I'm sipping my coffee, wetting my whistle. Eager to hear your news, Jonathan. So, so eager. Lay it on me. Lay it on me. Impress me. Give it your all. All righty. Let's get started with Privateer Press. They have announced a new post-apocalyptic skirmish game called Riot Quest. I'm not impressed. I knew about this for a month. But did you talk about it on the show? I did not talk about it on the show. Hey, you want to hear something fun, which you probably will have a few days left to get into, speaking of Privateer Press? They are moving headquarters, according to their website. They are moving to a new building, and they are trying to clear out some inventory. So for $69.99 US, you can get a grab bag of models from the same faction of War Machine, but it's random what you get. Perfect to start a new faction if you're interested. They announced that today. At least that's when I found out about it. Oh, man, that's a good deal. Did you did you hear that, Jonathan? No, because I just stole your thunder. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Macho (laughs) madness. Sky's the limit. (laughs) Go on. Well, have you seen the models? The models look really cool. So they're they're having the demon faction. Uh, the Infernals, they're, they're the new faction that they added into War Machine. And according to the fluff, uh, the goddess Thalmar gave humanity magic due to backstory stuff, but she made a deal with the devils. And the devils want two-thirds of humanity's souls, and thus far Thalmar has not kept up her end of the deal, so they have come to the world to claim what is theirs. And the game takes place in the evil future where they win, and they, st- they kill two-thirds of humanity and take their souls to hell. And you are just everybody that's left in the steampunk wasteland post-apocalypse fighting. I mean, the, the, I, I think the models look great for even they do. by privateer press standards. They, really they do, they do. But I stole your thunder. Just, I knew them. I knew more about that than you did. You, you have failed to impress me. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Fair enough. Hey, guess what? Hmm. Charterstone is going digital, baby. Oh, okay, that's cool. You should have led with that. Yeah, that got your attention, didn't it? That did. That did get my attention. You should have led with that. Dude, we could play Charterstone then, because we could play it over time and space. I know. I'm really excited. I, I am really excited, too. There's nothing more to say about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a company called Acrim Digital is uh, is doing it. Do they have a track record? Have they done other good versions of games, or is this their first attempt? I'm looking right now, actually. Um, you don't have these questions ready? It's going to be available. You have not anticipated my needs? Again, I find you unimpressive, Jonathan. Oh, you failed me. Oh, yes, they have done Istanbul, Steam Rails to Riches, eight minute empire so they've done quite a few board game uh, okay they seem to know what they're doing it's it's been a few months since amelia was born i'm i'm, I'm holding you up to your old standards now you you, you don't get excuses anymore you, you you have you've been measured sir and you've been found wanting i can't remember the whole quote from the knight's the knight's tale 
But all I know is this, Jonathan. My wife says she likes it when I pick on you. She thinks that's the funnest part of the podcast, so it's back on. Wow. And to that, I would say, bitch, how dare you? That's just mean. It's just mean. I like giving my wife what she likes. I do. I like my wife quite a bit. She plays microscope with me. What else can I say about this? Uh, Akram looks like they've got a decent track record. They've made some really good games. And, uh, yeah, it's coming to Steam, Apple, iOS, Android, and Nintendo Switch. Bob's your uncle. I'm getting that. Are you going to play with me? There you go. Are you going to play with me? Uh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Fudge, uh, yeah. In um, early 2020. Ah. You know what I'm going to do? You know what I'm going to do? Oh, you'll just let me know about it. You got your finger on the pulse of that stuff. I was going to set an alarm for myself for like nine months from now, but yeah, whatever. I'll just wait <laughs> for early 2020. Yeah. <laughs> no, you'd quantify that. Uh, February, I'd qu- February 14th. <laughs> Valentine's go. day. Yeah. Cause it's the middle of February. Bezier games has uh, a new game coming out. It's called silver. Actually, it's a okay. series of games. There are a series of card games. There's uh, two initially there's silver and silver bullet. And they're a series of card games uh, by Ted Alsbach. And they can be played standalone or combined with the other games in the Silver series to, to make different you, games. So they're kind of taking a note from the uh, uh, from the Century Silk Road. You stole that from me. I sent you that story when I saw it. Oh, well, <laughs> I paid attention. <laughs> we were talking about because it's about werewolves, right? Yeah, it is, which instantly puts it in my court of uh, potential love. Yeah. Yeah, we got that argument about werewolves because I'm like, yeah, I'd hunt the hell out of them because they're monsters and they eat people. Yeah. Werewolves can be good, too. I think they can be good. No, no, no. They eat people. They're monsters. I don't know, Jonathan. You're you're, you're 3-0 for impressing me, man. Get up your game. For the news, everything else is nominations because it's award season, my friend. Nah, true that, true that. So we've gotten the nominations for the Spiegel DR 2019. Ooh. Oh, my God. Is it that time again already? It is that time again already, my friend. Just one by Ludovic Rowdy and Bruno Sater. Pretty sure I killed that last name. Llama by Reiner Knizia. Werewords by the aforementioned Ted Alsbach. Those are your nominees for Game of the Year for the Spiegel DR. Now, I've played Werewords, and I had a lot of fun with it, but uh, I have never played it. I would still vote for Llama, just because there's the most ridiculous Llama on the cover, and he's wearing a scarf, and he's got my heart. He's got my heart. Plus, Reiner Knizia makes a hell of a game, so I, I, I don't know. These, these Spiel the Yar always, like any Spiel the Yar nominee, it's going to be a good game. Now, along with the Spiel the Yar, you also get the Kinderspiel the Yar, which are the kids uh, kid, children's game of the year? And for those, you've got Fabulan Fabulan Fabulantica, yeah, Fabulantica, by Marco Tubner, Go Gecko Go by Jurgen Adams, and Valley of the Vikings. Hold on, Marie and Wilfred. <laughs> the cover King. of Llama is amazing. <laughs> I, right, right. <laughs> Do you see why he gets my vote? Don't even need to play it. You got my vote. <laughs> if political posters were like that, they'd get my vote without. Any kind of speech. You see a scarf. Uh, you see the scarf, Robert. Uh, it's it's his it's his look, man. He's just so happy. 
He's I, like, look, I'm here. He's happy llama. He's just so happy to be on the cover. That's so nice. It's nice that they gave that llama the cover model position. It's good on them. <laughs> and then finally, the nominees for Enthusiast Game of the Year, the Kennerspiel de Jahr, as opposed to the Kinderspiel. I don't speak German. I'm sorry in advance if I've killed these uh, German words. Carpe Diem by Steffenfeld. Detective, a modern crime board game by Ignacy Yevacek. And wow, I'm not even going to try that. I mean, there's a P and a Z. Zemisla? Zemisla? Zemisla Reimer. I am so sorry if I killed that. And Jacob Lapot. And finally, here's one I can pronounce, Wingspan by Elizabeth Hargrave. I'd like to apologize to all of our Polish listeners. I don't speak Polish, and that much is is readily apparent after today's (laughs) exercise and attempts to... uh, pronounce polish names you're, you're still talking man but I, i'm still looking at this llama <laughs> <laughs> all right so um we will see who wins that those awards but those are the nominees now his hair's got like a little curl to it like like oh like goodness. it's just been it's just been quaffed so i feel like he's he's it's it's curling like that because it's caught the wind just a hint of wind yeah, and he's he's like wave, but but it's some sort of supernatural wind because it's not blowing in the same direction of his scarf. That is that is some permanent wind there, and he's like waving high. And I've yeah. seen llamas, man, when their butts are up like that, they're about to poop, man. There's just so much to unpack. Yeah, there's a lot going on in that cover, but it's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's so good. All right, well, let's go over uh, the Dice Tower Award nominees. Okay. So there are a ton of categories in the Dice Tower Award nominees. We'll go ahead and put a link to them all. But uh, some standouts, best family game of the year. Uh, I see Fireball Island on there. I see Reef. I see My Little Scythe. All great games that I've played. I see Gizmos, which I really want to play. I haven't had a chance to yet. Uh, Best artwork. I see My Rising Sun on there and Cerebria. Both games with just jaw-droppingly good artwork. Grim Forest, Root, Everdell. There are so many different uh, categories here. Best two-player game, uh, I see Keyforge, Dulasaur Island, Mythic Battles Pantheon, all games that I've enjoyed thoroughly. And then they got the the War Chest and the Haven. I have not played either of those. I know. Co-op game of the year, Stuffed Fables. Uh, The kids really like that one. Chronicles of Crime, which I hear nothing but good stuff about. I really want to play Chronicles of Crime. Uh, the Mind, which I've played. Let's see here. Anyway, lots of good stuff. Lots of good stuff. Mo- most importantly, here's your nominees for Game of the Year. The Mind, Everdell, Architects of the West Kingdom, Rising Sun, Western Legends, Brass Birmingham, Underwater Cities, Chronicles of Crime, Teotihuacan, and Root. Hey, Jonathan. Guess what my library has that I'm on the wait list for currently. Root. Yeah, I'm getting root. I actually had to put it on hold because I'd get it at the same time as photosynthesis. That's like starting a that's like starting a doctorate, man. That's that's five different rule sets you need to learn. I'm not going to play all five different versions of the game. No, it's not five versions of the game. It, every faction is asymmetrical, and they have their own rule set. Kind of like that. Right, right, right. Whatever. We're going to play a three player game. We'll just choose our faction and go. We'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to talk about Root because I think that game looks really neat. I just haven't had a chance to play it yet. 
I also really want to get Western Legends. I've been told that it's uh, one of the best sandbox games to ever come out. Cool, cool. All right. All right, our, se- our, our new segment's going long. You got anything else? Yeah, more awards. The Origins Award nominees for 2019 have been uh, released. Tons and tons and tons of different different uh, categories that, to, to look at. But most importantly, of course, board games. You've got Brass Birmingham, Chronicles of Crime, Cryptid, not on the other list. Everdell, Gizmos, Pulsar 2849, Rising Sun, Root, and Space Base. Under card games, Anatomy, Flux, Choose Your Own Adventure, House of Danger, Dark Souls, the card game, Get the MacGuffin, Maiden's Quest, The Mind, and Villainous. And then we go down from there. Lots of good stuff on, on lots of good categories. RPGs, are you ready? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it. Some of the highlights are uh, Dust City Outlaws. I've heard nothing but good stuff about. Yeah. Uh, Forbidden Lands, same thing. Invisible Sun. You ever get your Invisible Sun? Because it's out. Sitting in front of me in a box. Haven't even unpacked it. Baller. The Midgard Rulebook, I've read that. It's quite good. Mutants and Masterminds, quite a good game. Numenera, Destiny and Discovery. Start Mutants and Masterminds. That's been making the rounds. I've played all three versions of that game. Star Trek Adventure Starter Set, which I've also, which my library also has. I could get that too. Uprising, so many more. And then, yeah, Best Role Playing Supplement, a lot of good stuff on there. Creature Codex for 5th Edition. Some Conan books. Call of Cthulhu, Masks of Nyarath Hotep. Which I think is a little unfair because that's considered the best RPG adventure ever written, and they you know reprinted it for seventh edition. I mean, it's already won before. Morning <laughs> um, Kanan's Tome of Foes, which is good for D anD. d Yeah, so much good stuff. So much good stuff. And I don't know why anything else is on this list, but the Black Dragon trophy plaque for WizKids is yeah. up for best accessory, and that <laughs> is like, that is the best accessory. I feel like that's an auto win right there. I completely agree. Although the icons of the realms spell effects from WizKids is is quite fun. It's little miniatures like fire and stuff that you can have oh, if yeah, like, you blow up a fireball cool. or something. Those are look those are those are yeah, they're quite good. They're quite good. Alright, well that brings us to the end of the news, which of course means that it's now time for our year in the life segment, Robert. What did we what were we doing a year ago? I forgot my dice episode forty two, the magic number. Nobody counts the Christmas special. Still a true statement, 100%. I will fist fight you if you think the Christmas special counts. The Christmas special's canon. <laughs> and you know it. Everybody knows it. Repeatedly. Lumpy. Lumpy is canon. Just look at that little guy. He's so cute. <laughs> the only good He's Lumpy so is the one in the barbecue. Anyway, we talked about the thing. Outpost uh, Outbreak at Outpost 31. That game is so much fun. That's still, it's one of my favorite hidden role games. I've still got it. We've played it a couple times. The thing I love most about it is the paranoia, uh, especially around the blood testing in it. If you recall, every every couple of, uh, at the end of every round, you do a blood test to see if you are still human or not. What's fantastic is there are more, there are more human cards than there are infected cards, and there are more cards than there are players, which means there's a possibility that nobody gets infected in any given round, which is amazing because th- that just ratchets up the paranoia. And that's that's what that movie's all about. Oh, my, Jonathan, that was that was an auspicious episode. We I, I'll have to go back and listen to this one. 
on our very special off the shelf for whatever reason, uh, we talked about Legacy of Shadow, uh, the undead, and apparently we went down the vampire rabbit hole because next is listed Blade, the Space Vampires, Life Force, Baywatch for some reason, and then we moved into Star Wars with uh, the Last Jedi, Black Panther, Steven Universe, so on and so forth. I was still playing Destiny Two apparently at that point. <laughs> Yeah, and you know what our closing thoughts were? That was when we gave everybody homework to go watch John Carpenter's Apocalypse Trilogy, The Thing, Prince of Darkness, and In the Mouth of Madness. Still stands true as uh, excellent advice for anybody. Oh, I must have sang F- Fed's Vet because I mentioned that. Oh, wow, Return to Ravnica. We were just talking about that. Uh, good times. That was a good episode. <laughs> I-, I can tell you that for sure now. I'll have to go back and listen to that one. Good times. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our Wisdom of Crowd segment, which, of course, means after a short break, we will be back with our deep dive. And on this episode, we will be deep diving the Heroes of Normandy tactical card game, the new card version of the Heroes of Normandy games. And uh, yeah, uh, we'll be right back. Do you have a tabletop, board game, miniature game, or RPG that you're going to release for retail? Or do you have an upcoming tabletop Kickstarter that you're about to launch? We would love to interview you for a future episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Send us an email to fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com to schedule an interview. Welcome back. It is now, of course, time for our deep dive. And on this episode, we will be deep diving the Heroes of Normandy tactical card game. This is not the Heroes of Normandy or Shadows of Normandy board game that uh, we have talked about on the show before, which uses uh, a lot of cardboard uh, to control. This is, in fact, a tactical card game that borrows a lot of ideas and a lot of rules from the other game, but is a very unique animal in and of itself. Now is the time to push the war to another scale. You will manage companies instead of platoons to conquer bigger battlefields. Unit tokens are replaced by cards. Terrain tiles are replaced by maps. We introduce a new set of rules, but don't worry. If you are familiar with Heroes of Normandy, you won't be lost. This new war scale will be easy to learn and hard to master. The the first thing is, and this was in your description, uh, the the scale based on uh, from the Heroes of Normandy board game is is much different because this is a, a game about large armies. It's not a game about uh, a, a platoon making maneuvers, and because of that, the first thing you're going to do is spread out a map in front of you. And several maps come with the base game, and there's maps, several additional maps available in a variety of different expansions that have uh, been released. But you put out the map, and the map comes with a bunch of instructions uh, that, that tell you specifically where to put stuff, where people start, and what your reserve units are, etc., 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 and sets up a, a situation where two armies are facing off each other on a grid-based map. Now, once everything gets set up, uh, a starting player will be chosen. There are rules for choosing a starting player, or uh, sometimes the specific scenario will dictate who that starting player will be. And then from then on, Play is just a series of turns, and the first player will take all their actions, and then the next player will take their actions. And really, that's commanded by um, something called command markers, and those are determined by a specific scenario. 
Because in front of you, you're going to have a player board, and that player board has five distinct actions on it, and you have a limited number of command markers that you can play on any given turn. And you can play those command markers onto those actions and then take those actions. You can even take the same action more than once. There's really no limitation there. So command actions are basically activate a unit card, which is exactly what you think. You activate a unit on the board and uh, move it around or attack with it, etc., that is not always guaranteed, by the way, because when you activate a unit, you have to do an activation check, which is a dice roll, and so there's a chance that the unit will not activate. If a unit does not activate, there are some mitigations in place, which we'll discuss in a little bit, so you don't have to worry too much. There's there's a lot of different ways that you can still get a, a stubborn unit to move. Uh, the next action is recover three directive markers, and the directive markers are actually how you start to mitigate uh, bad die rolls. So, directive markers are, uh, are very, very flexible, and you can use them in a variety of different ways during the game. The dis- uh, directive markers are forced bonuses that you can apply to yourself. Uh, there's something called Forced March, where you can play a directive marker to move one of your unit cards forward one extra box during a move, which can be huge. That can give you a, a big tactical advantage. You can force an activation. I just mentioned that you, when you activate a unit, you have to do a dice check, and there's a possibility that you will fail it. Well, you can always choose to spend one of these directive uh, markers to force that unit to activate. There's the ability to add the armor-piercing keyword to uh, to an attack, which is important because certain um, certain units in the game are armored, and if you do not have the armor-piercing keyword, then you cannot attack them. The attack is harmless. You can use uh, what's called sustained fire which is after having rolled a red die during a shooting attack, you can spend that marker to increase the result by one pip, which can make the difference between uh, a hit or a fail. Uh, And then finally, you can do a saving bonus, which is the exact same thing except in a um, defensive fashion, where you get one pip that um, could make the difference between a saving throw or uh, taking a hit. So when you manage your cards and reinforcements, the first thing you do is you take three cards from your reserve deck, which is uh, set up during the the initial setup of the map, and then you have the option of moving up to three unit cards from your hand directly to reinforcement points on the battlefield. They don't necessarily have to be the ones that you drew. Sometimes they're going to be already in your hand. This gives you the opportunity to expand your hand and play your hand, essentially. Uh, And then finally, there are maneuver, which is exactly what you think. Uh, You can choose two adjacent unit cards that are on the map, and as long as they haven't been activated, you can flip-flop them, which can be a really interesting way to um, maneuver out wounded units away from the front line to give them an opportunity to uh, heal up. And then finally, you have the opportunity to remove up to two suppression markers, and suppression markers are a negative status effect that you can accumulate during the game. And those are your uh, your basic rules. Once you activate a unit, you can move it around the battlefield, and movement is determined by the individual cards. It'll tell you specifically how far you can move. And if you choose to do an attack, there are specific rules for how to determine the base attack, how to calculate the dice roll, what the shooting, uh, what the success is, and um, what the result is. So looking at some of the photos on BoardGameGeek, when you say a map, I mean, it, it is a map. Like, you might think of a card game as, like, uh, like magic or something where you're just, like, you know, no, checking like cards. No, a, a tactical field map. From yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a 5x5 five five grid, 
So it's like a bingo card. <laughs> not always. Not always. Okay. Well, the, the ones I'm seeing are. Let me ask you this. Uh, I'm noticing that not all of the units in some of these pictures are all facing the right way. Uh, does facing matter? No. Uh, most units okay, they, can... They just must be playing it weird. Uh, they can pretty much fire in 360 degrees. Okay. They, they must be just playing it weird. One thing to keep in mind, Robert, is that a lot of these cards do have specific rule modifications listed on them. So, um, for instance, uh, some units like uh, mortars and tanks will have armor-piercing already uh, listed on them. Some units are amphibious, allowing them to go through flooded, uh, flooded areas. Some units are will have multiple attacks uh, available to them, like they multiple weapon systems. Uh, some will do double hits. So there's, there's a lot of specific rule variations that you'll find on the units themselves that, that, that couple into the main rule set. Hmm. In addition, a lot of the uh, scenarios give you the option of playing hero cards. And when you play a hero card, there's actually a little chit that goes down on the battlefield, and he uh, or she will link up with... A, an existing unit and basically create a modifier on that on that unit. Yeah, standard stuff. Yeah, there's nothing there's nothing outside of the the, the realm of, of known here. It's just this is really well put together, very concise package. So how does the rulebook do do explaining all of this? Um, for the most part, the rulebook is is pretty straightforward. There's really no good way to go through the flow of this game. Uh, the only thing that I think I would have liked to have seen in a rulebook would have been a um, scenario where you specifically set up cards on a map and then it walks you through a couple of turns. Because really, the best way to grasp the rules is to play a couple of turns. And once you do that, it all clicks into place. The game itself is very streamlined, very straightforward. The real trick is just learning what that flow is the first time. And because of, because of the nature of the way the rules modifiers are, you'll find that uh, the rulebook will, will talk about a phase of the game, and then you'll have to go um, searching through pages. And it references specific page numbers within the text, which is really nice. But you'll have to jump to different appendices in the back and uh, look at what those modifiers are. The normal game is, uh, is probably a little bit prettier than this because this is just cards on, on folded maps. But how do they look? How are they printed? Well, I mean, everything uses that real interesting Heroes of Normandy uh, art style. It very distinctly reeks of the uh, the main game in that respect. And everything is gorgeous. Like, the art is beautiful. The maps look gorgeous the way they're laid out. And they look like a, like a 1940s tactical map. And it looks, you know, hand-drawn. And everything comes together. It's a really nice, very thematic package. Is there anything off in the execution besides what you mentioned in the, in the rule book of just walking you through a few turns? No, everything else is really, yeah, it really works. Like I said, it's so streamlined. That's the first thing that really kind of hit me as, as I was playing it. Um, the, the rule set is, is just super streamlined and very easy to uh, map out in your head. And really, it is a tactical thing. Um, it, it's using units and their abilities in, in a unique tactical way to gain the upper hand over your opponent. The, the tactical component of it really comes down to the individual unit types, what their individual abilities are, and how you manage your resources. And that's that's what's great about it. The complexity isn't in the game. The complexity is in the, uh, the mm. planning. And this is a battle game, so I'm assuming that the... It felt like I was playing a miniatures war game the whole time. That's really... Yeah, it, it looks like one. Since this is like a miniatures game and, and a battle game, I'm assuming that the recommended player count is also the required one of two. 
Yes, yes. There is a variant for more players, but two is really what everything is balanced for. And that's what the scenarios are balanced for. Well, this game must be really streamlined because we are like way under time. And you've explained it. And looking at the photos, I I get it (laughs) to at least to an extent. Yeah. I mean, that's the beauty of the game, Robert. Like the, the, the game is so streamlined, which is not to say that there isn't a very dense level of depth here. There's a huge amount of depth. The, the thing is, it's figuring out the individual scenario, figuring out how to interact with the terrain, and figuring out how to best deploy your resources and use the, the weaponry that you have available to you to overcome your foe. That, that, like I said, the depth is in the planning. The depth is in the, the, the units themselves. It's not in the rules. The rules are just so streamlined and easy to learn. That's, that's the best part about this game. The rules make a big deal about how it's a uh, it's kind of like a variant, I guess you'd say, of the original game. How does it compare to the original? It's a bigger scale and it's a little easier to manage. The original has uh, a little bit more crunch, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing or a good thing. It's just there's a little more crunch, and so game tends to stretch out a little bit more. I- I've played this a couple times now, and this. Because it's so streamlined, it never feels like it's overstaying its welcome. It always feels like the perfect amount of time has gone by when you get to the end of the engagement. And what's nice is that amount of time can be very different from engagement to engagement because they've done a really good job of balancing the armies out and balancing out the size of the map. So I've played big games, I've played small games, and they all work and feel just as good as one another, even though the larger game might take another hour to 90 minutes longer just simply because you're dealing with so many more units and so much more land. Hmm. Okay. I mean, at the end of the day, this game is super, super fun, and it really came as a surprise to me. I, I backed it because I'm a big fan of the uh, the base board game, and I backed it because I was interested in it. I, I didn't think I was going to enjoy it, and I certainly didn't realize that it was going to supplant the original game as my my go-to for a, a good two-player experience that that involves a, a tactical war thinking i think i like the scale a bit better and that's very much a personal choice i like the the large battlefield scale versus the the individual platoon uh, engagement and i think that's one of the main reasons why i like games like star wars armada more than i like games like star wars x-wing uh which is not to say i don't get equal enjoyment out of both of them i would just know which one i'm going to grab first Again, it comes down to a scale choice. Yeah, yeah. That's just preference. But at the end of the day, this this game is extremely easy to teach and learn because it is so lean. But the depth is just staggering. You're never going to gain 100% mastery. There's always going to be some other way that you can implement a tactic or implement a, a move of a unit to, to alter the battlefield in, in an interesting way. It's... It's clever. I'm really impressed. So that is Heroes of Normandy, the tactical card game. Yeah, it's from Devil Pig Studios. I love that company name. Yeah, it, it's weird. It, like when I say card game, I don't think of what this game is. It's it's more like, uh, I don't know. I can't think of a game that it's like. It's good stuff, though. I like how portable it is. It reminds me a lot of uh, like Memoir 44. It does. It just takes up less room. I mean, like, my only complaint about it, really, is that the, the maps are folded up, so once you lay them down, it's hard to get them really, really flat. But without taking up a ridiculously large amount of additional room, I don't know how you do it differently. Like, it, it makes sense to me. And the fact that 
I have a single box and I've managed to cram all of the expansion because I went all in on the, the Kickstarter. I've got all the expansions and, you know, almost a dozen maps and a bunch of units and stuff. And I've got it all tucked into one standard size board game box. That's fantastic. That's good stuff. And the depth that you get is nuts. Absolutely nuts for this tiny little package. All right, well, that brings us to the end of our deep dive. And sadly, that also means the end of our episode. Which really, Robert, means that it's time for your closing thoughts. I really, really want to gush about Microscope, but hopefully we're just going to save that for next time. It certainly would appear so. My plans are getting more and more ambitious for next time, so we'll see how far I go or if I have to rein it in. I don't think we're covering news next time. I think I need that time because Microscope, it's kind of a role-playing game. I don't know. From what you sent me, only kind of, like distinctly kind of. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's for sure one of those games. It's really hard to process it unless you actually like play around of it, which we're going to do because you can you can listen to that pretty easily. I, I certainly have. I've listened to a few podcasts that have played it now. But yeah, you, you it, it is one of those ones. Like it, I, I am going to explain it, but it's uh, you need to hear. We're going to do a round, and that's why we need the extra time because the the round makes it all kind of click. All right. Well, fantastic. That brings us to the end of an episode. We will be back in two short weeks. As opposed to the two long weeks. Yeah, lately they've been really short. Well, there you go. That means there's only one last <laughs> Be excellent to one another and party on. Party on, Jonathan. You don't even get to say that, by the way. What? Because you listen to your wife. He's my favorite person. <laughs> <laughs> so you can party on, but you don't get to be excellent. <laughs> Put you in the dungeon. Uh, I forgot my dice I, I got nothing. I deserved all of that. I'll remember this. I'll remember this. It's fine. It's fine. All right, I'm turning it off. The music you heard in this podcast was intro by Elifiel. Additional music was provided by Brian Winkleman. Funding for the Forgot My Dice podcast was provided by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you 